Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Okay, but this this point about your standing being 100% completely complete is so important. I had a cross-reference here to these verses in Hebrews, which said Hebrews 10, verses 10 through 14. And by that will, and by and the will here, if I had put, printed the verses before this, is the will of Jesus to leave heaven and come down to earth. By that, the will of Jesus to come down to heaven and sacrifice himself on the cross for us. By that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Unchanging. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. This is the key, verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Your positional standing for him, you are made perfect forever, 100% holy. You are being made perfect. That's the, your dotted line. You're, you're more Christ-like in that sense, right? You are being made. Your, your actual holiness is growing. Someday we'll be free from all sin, right? But standing is completely complete. That's just point number one. Three to go. Number two, don't slip back to the single line. This was... Paul's second message. Don't slip back to the single line. Galatians 4, 8, and 9. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by their nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? Now, what are the weak and worthless elemental things? Greg says it really well. I think you said it last week, Greg that the default mode of the human heart is performance-based self-justification. The default mode of the human heart is religiosity. That's why all the world religions work that way. It's a single line. That's the elemental things of the world is just following rules to get accepted. Not sure you believe me? Next verse. Paul expounds on this. Since you died to, with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though, you, as, if you, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all dust and appearance with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Paul says, you don't, don't slip back to the elemental principles which is following rules to obtain your own righteousness. Whatever you do, you move to the double lines. What you foolish Galatians, don't move back to the single line. Second passage on this, Galatians 5, 1 through 6. Don't go back to the single line. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, the single line. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now, you have to remember Receiving circumcision was just shorthand for the, everything the Judaizers were teaching, which is you have to follow all the Mosaic laws. Not just, they didn't say, oh, you're going to get circumcised and you're fine. They said, no, that's just the start. You get circumcised and you follow all the Mosaic laws if you want to be fully accepted by God. So he says, if you receive circumcision, Christ is no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. It's all or nothing. So why does Paul say that? You hear this 
this actually all the time. People say, look, I don't know how it works. Lord knows I'm not perfect. I do my 60, 70%. Jesus does the rest. Jesus, and I'm trusting Jesus to do the rest. I do 70%. Jesus does the 30%. See, it's me and Jesus working together. It's grace and law mixed together. Paul says, no stinking way. You do not get to set the bar. You don't say 70% is enough. Any reasonable guy would say 70% is pretty good. Paul says, no, you want to climb a single line? Climb the whole way. 100%. You're on your own. And you have no idea what righteousness really is. Go try. So don't, don't do it. Don't go back to the single line. And then, great verses. Galatians 5, verse 4. You have been severed with Christ. You're seeking, you are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. Now, this is where I started at the beginning with that little teaser question at the beginning. Shame about Jim. He's fallen from grace. Can't believe it. Yeah, what's he doing? Going to church four times a week. He's leading two Bible studies, then two more. He's memorizing verse, a verse a day. He's reading 10 chapters of the Bible a day. He's never been more religious. Yeah, it's a shame. He's fallen from grace. Now, you can do all those things out of a pure heart because you just love Jesus out of pure gratitude. That's what you should be doing. But Paul is not talking to people who are living lives of wanton sin, who have drifted away. Paul is talking to people that are more religious than ever. They're following more rules than ever. And what does he say? You've fallen from grace. <laughs> you've, got, you've abandoned the double lines and trusting him entirely for your standing and you're trusting yourself. You've fallen from grace. You're more religious and you're more rule followers than ever. Verse 5, for we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness, God, which God is going to give to us, which we receive and has not earned. And verse 6, and get, get this, verse 6, and I, that's why it was the reason I put it in red. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love doesn't mean anything. And wait a minute, circumcision is shorthand for keeping the whole law. What do you, wait, what are you saying? Neither keeping the law, not keeping the law, it doesn't mean anything. What do you mean it doesn't mean anything? Surely that's great. If, I'm, if I do live right versus if I don't live right, surely that has a great impact. Right? Paul says it doesn't mean anything for your standing with God, for the way he views you. He uses that phrase again in chapter 6. He says, May I never boast except in the cross of Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to be united to the world. By the way, that's not the way somebody believed the single I would talk. He would say, you know, i got a lot to boast about. Actually, I worked really long and hard to get from, move from an 8 to a 9 to close to a 10 like I am. He says, I don't want to boast about any of that. It's just about the cross. That's a double, that's, he's talking like someone who understands the double lines. As if he, it's because it's got double lines, it's just the gospel. I only boasting the cross of Jesus. He says, so neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. What counts is that you move from death to life. You move from Slavery to sonship. Your status is complete. Now, then how does sanctification work? Point number three, change what you love. I'm, I'm going to cover this. I'm going to cover the fruit of the Spirit in 30 seconds. The most cursory treatment of the fruit of the Spirit you've ever heard in your life. We could, next two years from now, someone who takes this passage, just spend the entire time in the fruit of the Spirit because it's so rich. We'll cover it in 30 seconds. The point I'm going to make here is that it's, it's two points. First of all, it's anti-license. It's anti-license. Paul says, look, the Spirit sets his desires the flesh, the flesh against the Spirit. You may not do what you please. I am not saying go and do everything you want. It's anti-license. But he said, and, he, and then, he, then there's nowhere to hide. He lists all these uh, deeds of the flesh. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, and drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. The list goes on. 
Uh, you might just he might just mean say you know drunkenness and carousing. You know what I'm talking about party lifestyle. No, he's talking about look disputes, dissensions, being argumentative. My I always got to be right. My side's got to win. There's a million ways to live in the flesh, and Paul says that that is there's so much in your sinful life that's that helps you move down the single the, the lower line. He says, but you know what's not going to help you defeat these things? A mindset of I got to keep the rules. That was Galatians two twenty. So uh, Colossians two twenty. There's no real value. You got to change what you love. Our problem, we do the wrong things. But our real problem is that we love the wrong things. We love the wrong things. And that's why the last part here, on the bottom of the screen, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We need to change what we love. And the way you're going to change what you love is moving, is having your lines diverge so the cross gets bigger. So you say, Jesus, I'm more in love with you today than I was yesterday. And the things of earth go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We need to change what we love, not just change what we do. So that's the fruit of the Spirit. And the fourth thing here, live in line with the way you were designed. Live in line with the way you were designed. Again, this is anti-license, but I'll get another reader. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever you a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. So what Paul is saying is, Sin is not what you were designed for. So it's, it's again, extremely anti-license, right? He says, you, even, and I wrote it here, even though sin doesn't affect your standing with God, if you say, well, in that case, I can do whatever you want, you're going to reap the repercussions in this, in this world. So don't, don't, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. You were designed to live a certain way. You're, you're, you were designed to operate a certain way. The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Like if I said to you, I, you know, here's an example. If I said, I have decided God loves me unconditionally, right? You say yes. And he loves me 100% no matter what I do, right? You say yes. Good. I have decided to leave my family, quit my job, and start a life of hard drugs. I'm going to just go headlong into psychedelic drugs. I just think that's a new chapter in my life I want to try. And you, what do you say? And I ask you, if I do that, will God love me any less? Your answer should be No. He will not love you any less. Am I going to move from 100% acceptance to 80% acceptance? No, you will stay at 100% acceptance. Your life will fall apart. You're going to reap devastation. You're going to sow the wind and reap a whirlwind. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. What a man sows, he's going to reap. If you do that, yeah, your life will fall apart. And it, look, um, Tim Keller said this once in a sermon, you never do sin. Sin does you. You never get away with it. You think you get away with sin. You never get away with sin. You're building this in your life and you bear the consequences. Is your standing with God affected? No, 100% acceptance. But <laughs> so to your flesh, you're going to reap corruption. And look, and look, it's so anti-license. Let us not lose heart in doing good. Do good, be good. Do good things. Do you get credit for them? No, that's not why you do them. Okay, finally. Okay, I talk all the time about anti-rewards, anti-rewards. What are the rewards? What do the rewards mean? Look, so those verses are in there about rewards, right? So what do they mean? Two verses, 
that Craig talked about this at some length, actually, maybe six months ago at one of his talks. Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, though you whom I love and I long for my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord this way, dear friends. Philippians 4, verse 1. And then also 1 Thessalonians 2, 19. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? Your rewards, your crowns are all the people, not just that you've led to Christ, but the people you've influenced. And I think also the people you've served, because people say, the Bible says, you know, gives the child a cup of cold water as a reward. Just the people you've served, the things you've done in life. Like, and if I could just paint a word picture for you, it would be something like this. I would say, I think that the beam of seed of Christ might work, work something like this. If I say, Greg, Greg Bryan, I'm going to pick on you, Greg, because we're friends. I can use you an example. It's Greg Bryan's turn. We're all we're all here in the waiting room for the Bema seat. The Bema seat is, you know, actually it's right here, but in front, but we're all waiting. And they say, Greg, it's your turn. Up front, stand uh, front and center. Now, don't do that. It's just by example. But let's say Greg comes front and center, stands from the Bema seat of Christ. So, okay, it's time for your judgment. I think it, this is pure speculation, but I think it works something like this. He's going to say, okay, I'm going to look at your record of sin. Prepare the Megatron for the sin of Greg's trolling. Okay, prepare the Megatron. Oh, what do you know? It's blank. It's all blank because I pay for every one of those. They're all wiped away, thrown into a sea of forgetfulness, completely gone. What do you know? Completely blank. Now let's look at all the righteous things you've done, Greg, to see if there's any work for you. Look at this. Look at this. All the righteousness that I myself, Jesus Christ, accomplished, I give to you. So that you, when, you, when the Father sees you, the Father looks on you with all the delight with which he looks at me. I give this to you by my grace. What do you know? You can come in. Now, but before you do that, I want you to see your reward. So, Greg, I want you to turn around and see your reward. And I think at that moment, all of us, and I'll be one of them, whose lives were touched in any way by Greg, rush to the front of the line and, and start applauding. Greg, and comes to Greg, you, know, you said that word to me that one time. You, you taught me this one thing I never saw before. Or, 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 you know, you don't even know me, but my great-grandfather talked about you. you. You said one thing one time to change the trajectory of his life, and that's why I'm here today. All the people whose lives you touched, all coming around. And then when they get up to heaven, and they get up to their thing, that you can be part of their throng and part of their reward. So I'll give you a contrast. Let's say, say okay, that's great. Greg, you, you sit down. Yeah, you can make pass. I'm going to proceed and come into my rest. Great. Next in line, Jim Resky, step up forward, stand forward. Well, Jim, you know, the Megatron thing, no, no sin, that's all wiped away. Your righteousness, it's all credited to you. Great, it's wonderful, you can get in. Now, turn around and face your reward. Crickets. Nobody. Oh, dang. Jesus says, wow, this is strange. I haven't, haven't seen this since the Thief on the Cross. <laughs> I think at that, I say, and I say, I, I don't know, Lord, I thought at least my family would be here. I thought something you know. And he says, well, not much of a reward, is it? I say, no. And I know it's the land of no regrets and no tears, but I wish my life, I wish I would have done more in my life to affect the lives of others. But if my only reward is to be with you, Jesus, then that's enough. It's all the reward I want. And that's kind of how I think it works. That's the end of my prepared remarks. So now, questions, comments, people who disagree wholesale with everything I've said today, yeah, so, you know, I think of justification is by Christ's death, which gives us eternal life. 
I think justification is by his life and our death. I the one scripture that I, that just that I can never get away from is where he talks about we are in the vine and we can produce no fruit unless we abide in him and in the vine. So when we talk about my fruits or I mean my rewards, they're not mine. Yeah. I can't have them unless it comes from him. And so if we were going to get in like a little car and have that be like our drive up the sanctification line, I think the fuel is grace and the driver is the Holy Spirit. I'm nowhere in that equation because at the end of the day, you really hit this home with me when you first did this a long time ago. You know, the things that a Christian life should produce, yeah, fruit, right, disciplines, studying the word. When grace and love transforms us, it's now out of love and gratitude. Yeah. And I learned it's no longer, well, I'm not doing this. I'm not disciplined. When grace took over and I understood that more is when life's change. And yeah. so I think, I think that should take us away from the whole, what works are and, and produce and, you know, you, you'll show me your faith by your works. Well, it all starts with him and is because of him. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then we'll get to James next week, right? Dr. Bob's going to start on James next week. But yeah, in in Galatians, it's like you got to have you got to have saving faith. And I think it's not just the the, uh, the Holy Spirit's driving my car up that single line. I think it's there's no single line. It's like the Holy Spirit's driving me along these lines, right? But like that's what you're saying. So, and then James comes along and says, well, if that's the case, then there should be a dotted line growing. And if there's no dotted line, there's no change. If you're living a life of license, you say, well, there's. I can't see in your heart, but there's probably no real, nothing going on in your heart. In other words, if you're telling me there's a fire, if faith is a fire in your fireplace, and you're telling me there's a fire in your fireplace, well, there should be smoke coming out the chimney. If there's no smoke coming out your chimney, then it doesn't sound to me like you got saving faith in the fireplace. So that's my summary of the book of James. Wait, we got more comments, but, but Tim was next, I think. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Jim. Uh, excellent. I, I just want to add a couple of things to what you've said, and that is work out your salvation in fear and trembling. What I see in that is there's a war going on within us, the war between our flesh and the spirit. Yeah. And that happens on a daily basis. And so then the question is, which do we feed? Do we feed our spirit or do we feed our flesh? And the one that we feed the most is going to be the one that's winning the battle, but there's always a battle. Second thing, Jesus said, and I like the example you used to the sheep, you know, he tells them what they did, and they said, when did we do this? We look at good works through our corrupted lens of sin. Yeah. We think we know what we're talking about. Jesus tells us, no, you don't. You don't know what you're talking about. He knows what the good works are. We really don't. If we think we're doing a good work, then our motivation is probably off base in thinking that in the first place. That's right. That's Third, counterproductive. Counterproductive. Third thing, the reward. I liked your example. I don't know about crickets, but I liked your example because I think you're exactly right. If nothing else, Jesus is the reward that is superlative to every other reward. That's right. Being in his presence and throughout the whole scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the blessing is always God's presence. We translate that into material thing, whatever. That's right. It's all wrong. The presence of God is the blessing the presence of God in heaven is the blessing. And so Jesus is always enough. Amen. And if you, ask, and if you, ask, you have to ask yourself, if I said, you're not going to get any rewards for what you're doing at all. It's just Jesus. Would you still do it? You say, oh, just Jesus. Then I don't know. 
then yeah, you're doing it for what's in it for you as opposed to just saying, all I want is him. We have it over here. Yeah, the the idea of works, you know, and I don't know where the scripture is where it says, you know, if you tell everybody what you did, you've already gotten your reward. Yeah. Right. So really works are done to glorify God. But it's it's very difficult. I, I know myself, if I do something, I got to tell one person. Well, you know, I got you know, I, am I doing it for God or am, am I doing it to boast myself? My mother had a great German saying that said, a secret is so much easier to keep if you tell just one person. <laughs> That's problem. You referred to chapter six, verse nine. Let me read it again. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. If we do not grow weary, right? Tell me what reaping means if, if it's conditional. It sounds to me like reaping is conditional. Well, I, th I think that's reaps. talking about the rewards, like the people, right? So if you're building churches, if you're persistent, you're because Paul has other verses where he talks about, you know, you're building a church, you're establishing a church, and if the church fails, then the builder gets in, but without the people, without the rewards. So you're serving the Lord doing all these things. You don't know what fruit's going to come of it. You're, 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 you're trying to be connected to the vine and, and have the fruit of the Spirit come in your life, but you're not sure what's going to happen. So some of that prudent production of that that may or may not happen. You still serve the Lord anyway, right? But my own standing with Him doesn't change at all. So my my feel my standing with Him is not conditional on that. But you know, serve the Lord. Who knows how God's going to use what you do, right? Anyway, that's how I interpret that. Luke, uh, Jim, I, I really like your whole take on that. The cross, I think that's great. You know, what what sticks out to me, and I think a lot of people have said it is the scripture in, in Ephesians. I think it's two, eight and nine. I think if Joe Campanella was here, he'd get quoted for us. Yeah. Uh, but for by grace, are you saved through faith? Not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works as a result that no of one works. may boast. That's right. For we are as workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's right. So it's all from God. Like that gentleman over there said, you know, and it brings me to Augustine because, you know, Augustine's prayer was command what you will, Lord, but grant what you command, because it's all by grace. Yeah. If we have any good works, it's all by grace. And what Tim said is so perfect, is that the reward is Jesus. If you it's know Jesus. Jesus, what else do you need? That's it. That's right. You know? Amen. I mean, really, you know, you think about Jesus and what he did and how much he loves us, you know, and when it says this, he sent the spirit of, of his son into our hearts, what does it do? It cries, Abba, Father. I mean, think how blessed we are. Yeah, we are so right. blessed. Amen. Amen. Okay, Louis. I think we have to recognize whatever happens this side of heaven, it's none of our business. I mean, inevitably, we just have to put our hope, faith, and trust in Christ. And if his promises weren't true, he'd be a liar and he wouldn't be God. Yeah. In right. our finite minds, we try to rationalize or compartmentalize things or place things in a box, but no eye can see, no mind can imagine. That's right. What the Lord has waiting and the gift, the treasure, it's Jesus Christ. Everything else will fall away as rags. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Amen. Buck and then Jim. I, I like that that picture you drew was really good. And I've heard it said before, and I think that picture shows it good with us is we're all recovering Pharisees. And like you yeah. said, how we 
fallen from grace. Fallen from grace was doing a million good things for God, trying to earn it by works rather than trusting in his grace. And I'm big with Reformed theology. Something that always comes up is evangelism. Why do you evangelize if God already chose the person? Why do you evangelize if they're already elected and selected for a foundation world? And I tell them because God told you to do so, because that's what we're commanded to do. We should be more wanting to do something because God told us to do it rather than for ourselves or that we did something good or anything that it's it's all for god and i love that picture how you showed the more we grow in god the bigger the cross gets the greater we know how great of a sinner we are and how great he is and i had some folks once at my church who were lovely folks but they were kind of new in the faith and they got really mad that i kept preaching that i'm a sinner i'm a sinner and i need christ because they say, you're not a sinner, you're not a sinner. And they had yeah. this sinless perfection attitude. Right. And they eventually left my church. And then I still bumped into the guy and I asked him, I said, I said, where are you going now? And he goes, every church I go to, I sit the pastor down and I try to correct his views. <laughs> and, and he doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't agree, so I have to go to another church. And I'm thinking, I didn't think that, I didn't doubt their salvation. They love Jesus, but I think it's just the time to keep growing, trusting in God and realize it's just all God right there. Sure, Buck, I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly, even, even without the election piece in what you said. So in other words, I want to obey God. I want to be involved in the process and trust him for the product. I want to obey God without any thought at all to whether... If it works, if it doesn't work, that's not my problem. I mean, I, I need to obey what I'm, I need to be faithful in what I'm told to do and to be obedient to what I need to do. And if God, however God's going to use it, he's going to use it, right? And and not think about what's in it for me or how's it going to happen. I just need to be obedient. And then, Jimmy. I love this book with Martin Luther. And, um, you, know, you know, to me, uh, Galatians is not so much a book about salvation. I mean, he does talk some about salvation. It's really a book about how to live once you are saved. Amen. Right? Amen. Uh, once you are saved, why come back under what you've been freed from? Why come back and live under this 603 list of things, right? And and uh, I think about the William Wallace line, you know, in Braveheart, you know, where he screams out, freedom. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, and so we've been untethered from this list. And, and at the beginning uh, uh, of having the uh, do all of these things right to please god we've been untethered from that list in order to really serve him effectively yeah in order to yeah you, you, you know i want to say something about augustine too you said today what we need to do is change what we love yes and it sounds like a controversial statement one augustine said this but it's consistent with that is love god and do as you please we go, well, that sounds yeah. like license, but it's not. It's it's a focusing your affection on love. And, you know, poor Peter, when he, when he, they struggle with these concepts of law, right? Because he's like, okay, man, yeah, we're all saved. But as soon as the Judaizers show up from Jerusalem, it's like, oh, I got to separate myself from the Gentiles. Right, right. And Paul says, no, you've been freed from that. You've been freed from the law. You can live among Gentiles and, and we can serve God without feeling burdened by all this 603 by the dietary list right yep. by, by 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 the sabbath we are free to serve him and love him right and so i think that's more what galatians is about james i think is about salvation we'll find out hey i was actually james. channeling augustine when i was trying to do right, that because right. yeah, i was yeah so thanks for bringing it up because augustine said you're thinking about love god and do as you please yeah. get but augustine get your loves in the right order the whole key to life is getting your loves in the, we love the wrong things, get them in the right order. 
We had someone else. I think a key word is in the spirit and in love is, is a key to a lot of what we're learning in, in Galatians. But in Ephesians 4, he's, he really expounds on it. He says, no longer are you children tossed around by the waves and carried by every whim of doctrine and trickery of men and crafting and scheming. In other words, religious things. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects of him who is the head, even Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted together, that's us, and every point that each of us supplies according to the proper working of each individual part in love causes the growth of the body and the building up of each other and itself in love. That's great. Actually, you, you want to close in prayer for us? Oh, absolutely. Please do. Amen. Oh, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, Master of creation, Creator of love, and Lord, the ability of each one of us in this room to step forward now by the grace that is given to us in Christ Jesus to walk forward into the world, walk forward from this room, Lord, in that love that you've bestowed upon us through his grace, through his cross, through the glory of his resurrection. Lord, now we walk with confidence, freed from sin, freed from death, that we may have the freedom then to proclaim this gospel, this scripture to the world in love and in your peace and in your grace and for the glory of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode and remember... On your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.